Amen. Good morning, everybody. Again, if it's your first time, we are glad that you're here. Um, if you're listening online, thanks for tuning in. It's good to see y'all. Haven't seen you since last year. Yeah, that's how we're starting today. That kind of corny level of joke. But just know that all over America, there are sermons entitled 2020 Vision happening today, and we are not doing that. So I'm not playing off that one. So we have that going for us a little bit. Um, we are going to do something a little bit different today. Before we jump back into Philippians and finish that up, I love this time of year. Um, I love when a new year rolls around and kind of the excitement that comes with it of, hey, this can be different, people making all these different resolutions. Studies have shown that 80% of those resolutions will be broken by January 13th. So by January 13th, it's back to Whataburger. Um, it's back to caring what people think about you and everything like that. So I don't want to talk resolution today. But several weeks ago, I started thinking through how do we want to start this year? And there was one thing that just kept coming to my mind, kept coming to my mind, this idea of our next step. As individuals and as a church, our next step, because this is the great thing. You look in Scripture, and from cover to cover, it is filled with next steps. Some of them are really good. Some of them can be a little bad, and I would say we want to err on the side of good. But literally, there is a moment where in the garden, Adam and Eve have sinned, and punishment happens. And it's probably Adam, he takes a step out of the garden. That's a rough day out into the wilderness, out into punishment, but he has to take that step. There's a moment where God had come to Abraham before he was even Abraham. His name was Abram, and he says, hey, I want you to go to the promised land. And so he eventually got everything kind of loaded up, and there's a moment where he takes a step towards the unknown. Like he has no idea where he is going. He's just listening to God. There's a moment where God comes to Joshua and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And Joshua takes his first step in leadership over the people of Israel. There's a moment where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego look at a furnace that is so hot when they open the doors it says it killed the people that opened them. That's how big the heat wave was. And they're looking at this furnace knowing that they are going to be thrown into it and they take a step towards it. There's a moment where when God had come to Jonah and said, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, Jonah takes a step, but he takes it in the wrong direction. And he starts to run from God. There's a moment where after just a few words of this man named Jesus talking to him. The disciples hear him say, follow me. And Jesus starts to walk off and they kind of look at each other and they take a step and they start to follow him. There's a moment where he calls out to Peter and Peter steps out of a boat, puts his foot on water, and at first does not sink. <laughs> There's a moment where that same guy would look at a lame beggar who had not walked in a long time and say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that man stood up and was like, I haven't felt these in a long time. And he takes a step and he begins to walk. There's a moment where Jesus calls out to John at the, end of, or at the beginning of Revelation, and John turns and takes a step and sees Jesus again. And he is given the book of Revelation. From cover to cover, this book is filled with next steps. And so we kind of have to look at ourselves this morning, and as we kind of walk into a new year, a new decade, I know that's a debate, but I think it's a new decade. So we look at that and go, okay, what, what is our next step? Everyone has a personal next step. What is yours? That's what we're going to start trying to unpack and maybe answer a little bit today. And this is the beautiful thing about Christianity. If you're in Christ, this is the beautiful thing. There's always a next step. On this side of heaven, there is always a next step for you. It's this ever-increasing, ever-growing thing. Like, no one gets to go, I have arrived. I've got it all figured out. There's nothing else that God can teach me or show me or that I can learn on this side of heaven. This is the beauty of it. Every single person in this room, across the world, always has a next step. And we've got to be looking for what that is. 
Because if you're sitting here today and you're at the same place spiritually that you were a year ago or 10 years ago, we don't want that. Like, we don't want that for you. We want you to be growing. We want you to be taking the next step that Christ is calling us because it deepens our relationship. And as we go deeper, we love him even more. So everyone has a personal next step. What is yours? We're going to walk through a couple of them this morning. First one, maybe it's this. It could be salvation. Like, it could be that you start the year, like, with the first step, the only important step of following Christ. Man, maybe you've been to church a hundred times. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe just over the break, you were around family, and they started talking, and you'd heard all these conversations before. But, man, something about the way they talked about it this time just made you start thinking. I want us to begin this year in Ephesians. I know we've been there before, but Ephesians chapter 1. I love the first chapter of Ephesians because I believe... Like, if you want to talk about the full gospel, here's what it looks like. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose for which he is set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I love that. I have read that so many times, that never gets old to me, because within that, you want to talk about what does it look like to have a relationship with Christ, that just unpacked all of it. In fact, what we call the full gospel, that hey, we believe that God created the world, we believe there was a creation. He talks about before the foundation of the earth, he talks about the heavenly places, like God created this world and he created it in perfect harmony in what we call shalom, all is as it should be. You get two pages of that in scripture. But we believe that yes, God created the world, but then... There's a reality. The serpent comes to Adam and Eve. They sin against God, and in that moment, they are broken, and that brokenness has been passed down through all generations to 2020, where we are sitting here today. That's why it talks about in those verses, he says, our trespasses. There's an acknowledgement that, yes, you and I, everybody, has sinned at some point. That sin separates us from God. That sin, to just be really honest, it's an abomination against his holiness, that's the level of our brokenness. It separates us from God. But we believe in a rescue. It says through the, we have redemption through his blood. Man, you want to talk about something to celebrate this morning and get excited about and praise him. It makes it really easy to sing and worship him when you know that you've been redeemed and you've been bought by his blood. It's like, man, you're talking about blood? Yes. Like his blood paid the price for you and I. 2,000 years, you want to know what true love is. 2,000 years ago, someone you've never seen face-to-face went to a cross and was crucified so that you could have forgiveness today. That's the power of his love. That's the depth of his love. And so maybe the first step is going, I need that. I've never had that. I have tried to clean myself up. I have tried to be a good person. There is no one that is good. I love that. I don't really love that, but I love that God makes it to where we can have forgiveness. And it only comes through him. And then in the grand big picture, as he finishes up, he says, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
one day everything will return exactly as it should be for all eternity. Because God gets to look out at all of heaven and at all of earth, at every star, every molecule. There's just nothing where he doesn't go, that's mine. And one day, through the power of Jesus Christ, all those things are going to be reunited back together. And we will spend an eternity with him. That's the beauty of what we just read. But maybe you've never experienced that before. So maybe for you, the first step is just a step. A step of faith saying, you know what, I acknowledge, I understand that I'm a sinner. If you like, if you're questioning, okay, how do I do that? There's no big hocus pocus. There's no magical fairy dust or anything like that. It's just acknowledging, saying, hey, I, I understand. I realize my sin separates me from God. And God, as best as I know, I want to come to you in faith. I want to trust your son, Jesus Christ. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I want to turn away from that. I want to spend my life following Christ. I want to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So if some of you today, maybe that's the first step. You begin this whole new year in the greatest way, going from death to life. And here in a little bit, if, man, that was you, if you, want, you have questions about that, talk to somebody here. Talk to one of our elders. Talk to somebody that's on staff. We'll be standing around at the end of service. We would love to talk with people more about that first step. But if that is you, that you've already done that, okay, here's another step. It could be walking in greater obedience or deeper discipleship. Look in John chapter 8, verse 31. It says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Like as we walk into this new year, there is one area that a lot of us can take a next step in. In fact, all of us can take a next step in growing in and through God's word. Understanding that it is a couple of things. We grow in it. We grow through it. Um, this is the greatest selling book of all time, bar none. Like, not even close for number two. Most of us, on average, have multiple Bibles. But do we spend time in it? Like, just think for yourself for a moment, personally. How much time do you spend in God's Word? As we kind of walk into this new year, not resolution, just simple next step, a commitment of saying, you know what, I'm going to spend more time in God's Word. I'm doing that. Like, it's kind of my job to do this, but I'll, if I'm not careful, I'll spend time studying for what I'm doing right now, and I don't always do it for me personally. And that's why starting tomorrow, I've got about 10 guys that I'm friends with, and we sent out a big group text. We're, we're walking through a Bible plan together for 21 days. It's 21 days of reading together, studying together, talking about it, encouraging one another. We're fasting from some things so that we can grow and be better husbands, fathers, and leaders in churches. And I want to invite you to be a part of that as well. Like, you have a Bible. Sometimes we go, well, I don't know what to do with this. If you've got a smartphone, there's the version Bible. If you type in Bible, it's, I think, the second option. The first one's always an ad. The one that has 4.36 million reviews Go with that one. Um, it is an amazing Bible app. There are reading plans on there that can take you through the Bible. Immerse yourself in that. Begin to study God's Word. Spend time in it because he says, if you abide in my Word, you'll know the truth. That's how people are going to know. So we spend time growing in obedience and in God's Word, and we do that through a couple different things. Sometimes it's just getting in God's Word for the first time. Sometimes it's, hey, I want to understand the Bible better blueletterbible.org like we live in a day and age here's the reality if you're wanting to grow in scripture 
If you're wanting to grow and understand God's word, you've picked a good time to be alive. Um, There's just so many options. In fact, we're pretty guilty if we don't. Because you can go on there, there's a ton of different commentaries, they're very good. There's one guy, David Guzik, if you read him, you'll go, hey, I feel like I've heard that before. I use him a lot in messages. Blueletterbible.org, that can help you study scripture further. You want good books, there are tons of just really good books. Read Desiring God by John Piper this year. Read The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul this year. Those books will blow your mind and how big God is and loving and the depth of his desire for his glory. Get immersed in God's word because we can all take that step. Look in John chapter 13. Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now we talk a good bit about spending time in God's word, but here's the thing. We have to apply this. You can study the Bible a lot, but if you don't apply it, the reality is you've just learned more ways to be disobedient. And that can be a hard thing. It takes applying, and it's best applied in love. So Jesus looks out, and he says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. Now, here's what I think everyone that was listening to him did. I think they naturally just looked around. So take a second. Look around this room. Feel free. Look around. I mean, foreign missions. People over here look at people over here. It's great. Like, get to know. But take a look around. All these different faces. You've got different people. You've got different ages. Different backgrounds. But you look at all these different faces. Like, I, I look at y'all every week, and y'all get to look around some, too. He looked at him and said, you love those people. So the people that are in this room, you've been called. He didn't stutter. It's pretty clear. Love one another. And then when you walk out of this place and you're driving down the street, you make that weird eye contact with somebody in the car next to you and they're picking their nose or something. You've been called to love that person too. And you're at the grocery store and there's somebody that for the love, they just can't get their cart out of your way. Every aisle, you get run over by them. You've been called to love that person, too. If you are in Christ, it is very clear. Love one another. Because when you do that, when you love one another, that's when people are going to know you're my disciples. It's a call for unity. It's a call for everything that he has said. Just as I have loved you, you love them. Which is huge, right? That's the example. Okay, how did Christ love? unbelievable forgiveness right you sinned against a holy god and yet he laid down his life for you we've been called to forgive and love like that he looks out on people and he has compassion for them he sees all their hurts their hang-ups everything that's going on in their lives and he says man they're like sheep without a shepherd he has compassion on them that's how we've been called to love people the unbelievable understanding that he has like when you're walking through something difficult jesus walked through those he understood temptation he understood hunger he understood loss he understood people not loving him his own people despised him he had an unbelievable level of understanding of the things that you're walking through he understands all that and he loves us and we have been called to love like that we put this into action so when we talk about obedience and discipleship we put them into action so when we walk out of here there's a few things you can do from that next step one start reading god's word make a commitment to that Spend time in it, and then share it with people. Talk about it. 
Talk about what God's doing in your life. It's encouraging to other people. You can get plugged into a life group. We talk about discipleship. If you leave here today and you go out to starting point, we've got life groups that are still open. You can get plugged in with those. We mentioned the equipping class. just got started today in 2 Samuel. Immerse yourself in some of those things. Make that your next step of I'm going to grow in discipleship and obedience to following God. Oh, we also could have this. Your next step, it could be taking your next step in ministry or serving. In ministry or serving. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, I'm sorry. I got one other thing I was going to read to you. Um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. Um, let's do that one. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate you. Uh, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. As we talk about obedience, as we talk about the idea of discipleship, sometimes we put it all on ourselves. And we say, man, I just don't feel like I can do that. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Remember, it's God's spirit lives in you. Like he didn't leave us and forsake us. He left us a counselor, a comforter that drives us. Listen, be obedient in the spirit. But know that, hey, as we grow in discipleship and obedience, it's not you doing it alone. You don't have to walk through that alone. Thank God. He gives us his Holy Spirit. Let it guide and direct you. And then your next step could be in ministry or serving. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now think about this. These gifts, he talks about, he says, hey, there's a, lot, there's a variety of gifts. I mean, you look around this room. God has gifted so many people in this room in different ways, and that's a good thing, right? That makes us the body. There's some people that right now, they're loving and serving in our kids' area. They're hugging babies. They're keeping them quiet. That's great. They're loving on your children. They will be there when you get back. You get the opportunity to come and worship together because their gifting is happening right now. Praise God for that. There's people right now in the back running all of our slide stuff. We have our amazing worship and media team. We have people that serve in greeting because you smile really well and you have a great spirit. Like, there are all these different things, but here's the thing. It's the same God. It's the same spirit. As we serve together and we use the gifts that God's given us, they bring unity, they bring togetherness, and they serve a great purpose. It says, hey, it serves the common good. That's my question for you. What's your next step? And using your gifts that God has blessed you with for the common good. Several years ago, Whitney and I, when we were kind of in between churches, we were attending a church in College Station, and we'd gone. It was weird for me, like, I work at churches, so we had to, like, go and find a church that we were going to go to. And we visited a couple different ones and settled on one. We liked it, and about three weeks in, we got in the car, and I went, we need to be serving. She goes, that's exactly what I was about to say. And we just said, hey, we, we know that God's gifted us in some ways, and we need to be, we don't just want to come and attend. Like, we want to get plugged in. We want to grow with the church. We want to be a part of what God's doing here. And so we got plugged in with a greeting team. We'd stand at the door. I'd make jokes when people come in. They would laugh, and my wife would tell me, that was really corny. Stop that. that that's a pity laugh. I'm like, no, it was real. Um, and we loved that. We got to serve together. Like, we didn't get to do that very often because of what I do. But we would stand there and hold doors open and greet people. And here's the thing from that. Because we kind of followed in obedience and said, hey, we understand this is the next step for us. When you greet, something crazy happens. You get to see most of the people that come in the church. And it was a pretty good-sized church, but there was one Sunday, a guy walks up, 
and Whitney didn't know who he was. Like, I didn't shake his hand. We just hugged each other because he was one of my good buddies that I'd done ministry with for years. Didn't even realize he went to that church. And we got connected with them, got to be able to spend some time with their family. But the best thing, one Sunday a guy walked up, and I said his name, and it took him a minute. He had to stare because I, I looked a little, little different from the last time he'd seen me. I had hair. Um, it was a guy that I'd run around with in what I would call years of misspent youth. Um, some of you are putting that together. And he was coming to church. And that was really cool. Because I didn't expect to see him. It was a guy that I probably should have ministered to years and years before when I was just not walking very well, is how I put it. But it was really cool to run into him and to hear his story and see what God had done in his life. I was like, man, God's good. Because <laughs> I really didn't expect to see you today. That's what happens when we start to serve. So what's your next step in the common good? Get plugged in somewhere. Use the gifts that God has blessed you with. Take a next step and say, hey, I'm going to step out, sometimes in a big way. Here's what a big way would look like. Look in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed uh, in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. It's very interesting how he puts that at the end. He talks about some pretty high stuff, all right? Some pretty high giftings. And he says, man, you should desire those. There should be a desire in you to take a next step. To grow in your faith. And to step out into some areas that, quite frankly, might make you a little nervous at times. It could scare you. But there should be a desire there. I mean, we've been called by Scripture to have that desire to step out into something bigger than who we are. So do you desire more? I don't have an exact date on it, but pretty soon, um, as leadership, we've been talking. Um, it's not going to be on a Sunday morning, but we're going we're gonna to teach a little bit on a couple of things. Elders and deacons. Because we want to see more people involved in those. Now, in Timothy, it says, if anyone aspires to be an overseer or elder, like, there's the sense of an aspiration. Hey, man, I've, I've grown in my faith. I want to be a part of the church. I want to be able to do more. Now, those aren't just, okay, you get to be an elder. Like, there, there's, there's qualifications. We, we take that very seriously. There's qualifications for deacons. But that's an area where, hey, we want to invite people to say, hey, I, I desire more. And I want to learn about that. Because we want to see more people involved in our leadership. We want to see more, more faces. We want to see diversity. We want to see all those things. We want to see that growing. And that's going to take people saying, hey, I have a desire for that. I desire something more to use the gifts that God has blessed me with, not for myself, but for his glory. And so for you today, your next step is to figure out your next step. <laughs> from a personal standpoint, you got to figure out your next step. And sometimes we go, I haven't got a clue <laughs> what to do, man. I don't know what my next step is. Then make the next step. What do you mean? Just start doing. <laughs> Here's what will happen. In John chapter 21, there's this moment where Jesus has already been crucified. And 
the disciples have seen him a couple times. They just don't know what their next step is. Like he didn't really give them a full-on instruction manual after crucifixion. And so one night, they're just, I, I think they're uneasy. Because at one point, Peter just goes, I'm going fishing. I'm going to do what I know how to do. Like, I, I don't know what my next step is, but I need to be doing something. I know how to do that. So he literally just goes, I'm going fishing. And a couple of the guys go, hey, we'll go with you. And so they get out in a boat, and these guys are fishermen. They're throwing nets out. They aren't catching a thing. All right, let's move the boat. Didn't catch anything. Bring it up higher. Didn't catch anything. Put the net lower. Didn't catch anything. Like, at some point, I'm betting some kind of, like, fisherman sailor words got thrown around between these guys because they're probably frustrated. They're at wit's end. They don't know what the next step is. They're trying to do something, and nothing's happening. Daybreak, this guy walks up. It's Jesus. They don't know it at first. And he says, hey, did you catch anything? Which, normally, I think Peter would have lost his mind at that. He's tired, hasn't caught anything, hasn't slept, and you ask a question like that, Peter's liable to cut your ear off. Like, that's kind of Peter's thing, right? But something deep in the back of his mind when he heard that, he didn't fly off the handle. He said, no. Nothing. And then this voice says, throw it out on the right side. You'll catch something. Again, what kind of smart aleck comment are you going to tell a professional fisherman has been doing this all night? But something in the back of his mind said, okay, I'll do that. Throw the net over. The boat just about sinks. <laughs> Caught over 150 fish. Like, it was crazy. They get up and get to the land, and they realize it's Jesus. And he says, hey, let's have breakfast. And because Peter had just kind of gone and started doing what he knew, Jesus then had a conversation with him, and he told him what his next step was. He told him what his ministry was going to be. So for you, like, I don't know what that is for you. Like, maybe some of you are like, preacher said go fishing. Like, I'm, I'm there. Like, ah, that's what I heard. No, but maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it's just going on a hike. Maybe it's spending some time in God's Word. I don't know what that looks like for you, but you've got to figure out the next step because we've got to do that from an individual standpoint. But at the same time, South Point Church has next steps as well. We have it from an individual side, but we've also got it from a corporate side because we are the body of Christ. The first one's this. We're going to use what God has blessed us with for his glory. We talk about all those individual giftings. We don't just want to use them on an individual basis. We want to be the body of Christ. Man, I'm thankful for the way that God has blessed so many of you. I'm thankful to be a part of this church. Literally, being gone one week was, was great. It was kind of energizing for me. We had a great little family getaway. But at the same time, like, I love being able to see and do life with you people. <laughs> I kind of like you. And we're going to use the gifts that God has given us, but we're going to use them for his glory. It's not about us. It's not about making our name great. It's not about that at all. It's about his glory taking those individual gifts and talents, putting them together so we can have a greater impact. Because going into this, like, decade for real, like, that, I just have not been able to get that out of my mind. Like, in 2029, when we come together, I, I want this place to look different. <laughs> I want there to be more stories that we celebrate. I want there to be more worship. I want there to be the same sense of unity and love that, I, I mean, is just tangible. But in 10 years, like, I hope we've taken some amazing next steps. And we're going to do that as well. We'll take the next step in what God is calling us to do. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 31. This is a beautiful verse about a church. 
It says, so the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. There are entire conferences. There are endless books at this point. Blogs, vlogs, articles on church growth. I, I read some of them because there's some, some good to be found in that. But I don't. I don't spend my entire week doing that because I don't think it's fruitful. <laughs> and everybody gets excited about, do this, and, and you know, we do that, and then we change it up and rebrand it or something like that. This is what real church growth looks like. This is the, the full answer. You have a church. It says in Judea, Galilee, Samaria. And it wasn't, just a, it wasn't a building. It wasn't like they, they had what we have right now. When it says the church, it's talking about people, individuals, the bride of Christ in these various cities, and man, they had taken some big steps, all right? Like, this is the early church, so they had taken that first step. A lot of these people were Jewish and had kind of gone away from Judaism and realized that was the Messiah, and they're following Christ. They'd taken the first step. Man, they're trying to grow, and they're doing it the right way. It says, walking in the fear of the Lord, they had a sense, when, when it says fear, we've talked about this, like, no, they weren't cowering, you couldn't tell we were Christians, like, please don't smite me. Like, they walked in an awe of who God was, in a reverence of who he was and what he had done. It says, that's the fear of the Lord that they had. But at the same time, they had this unbelievable comfort, and what I would say, in a healthy way, confidence, because the Holy Spirit was guiding them. And they reached out to people. And they shared the gospel with people. And they watched God do amazing things. Because here's what happens. Um, church, we're, we've grown. There's new people here. That's awesome. Um, within that, like, I'm not a numbers-driven person. That's why there's a poster over there that says you're an image, not a number. Uh, that's why I've never had a meeting with my staff and said, okay, you need to set some baptism goals. I've been at those places. Uh, Here's the thing. I'm not Jesus. None of our staff is the Messiah. Um, we don't save people. We share the gospel, and we leave the results to God. Um, but here's what I know. When the church is loving like Christ loved, when the church is unified, when it's walking obediently in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, God does cool things. That's, that's what I know he can do in our church. And so we're going to do some things. We're going to take next steps in our vision, we're going to take some steps and say, hey, you know, we're for God's glory. We're for people, for community, for the nations. We're going to take next steps in those. We're going to take next steps in being committed, of saying, hey, we want to be committed to the gospel, committed to God's word, committed to the uncommitted, committed to obedience. Ultimately, we're going to take some big faith steps in the coming year and years as individuals and as a church. We're going to have to take some big faith steps. Some of them is going to be you're going to walk across the street to your neighbor and engage them. Get to know them. Talk to them. You're going to walk across a cubicle and talk to somebody. That's going to be a big faith step. You're going to serve somewhere where you go, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> we'll train you as best we can. Like Some of that, it's going to be a big faith step. We have big faith steps that we want to take in our church. One of those is in our finances. And so in for a couple minutes, Jeff, if you want to come up, um, you guys know Jeff Hookie. He's one of our elders. Uh, you do not know the hours that Jeff has spent um, putting together a lot of budget stuff for us, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, and I kind of wanted you to see some of that because some of this plays into it's, it's going to take some faith steps. And so I'm going to turn it over to Jeff.
Okay. Good morning, family. Um, as Jamie said, my name is Jeff Hookie. I'm one of the elders here at South Point Church. Hello? Gotcha? No, there we go. And during the next few minutes, I'm going to have the privilege of giving a 2019 year in review and a 2020 plan in the area of finances for South Point Church. And I just wanted to say also, you know, Jesus talked a lot about money, a lot more than we do around here. But, and he used the parable of the talents as, and he used money as an example of one of the areas that we're given gifts from God and we're to use them in his glory to give back to him. And that's uh, a small thing. He called it, you know, when the, when the, uh, the ones that he had gifted came back and showed Jesus how he'd used them or showed God how he'd used them. He said, you are faithful in the small things. I'll put you over much. You know, so money is really a small thing in God's eyes. But Jesus talked a lot about it. So we are, uh, we want to do finance as well here at South Point Church. And so, so these are just some of the guiding principles. And you know, we, we want to practice the area of finances really well, and we want to have uh, transparency, checks and balances. We want to use our resources wisely. And just FYI, in case you don't know, we have no debt here at South Point Church, which, praise God, <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Um, and, and another thing, if you have any questions about finances, or anything else at any time, you know, talk to one of the elders, one of the staff, and come to the annual meeting on the 26th because uh, we'll get into more detail. This is going to be a real high level, okay? So for 2019, our budget was $238,000. That's basically what we took in, what we spent. It's real close to equal. So overall, uh, South Point Church is financially, call it stable, okay? And as we, as we as elders and staff were preparing the 2020 budget, uh, I did a giving analysis just to help us understand what was going on with the giving in this church. And there are 95 givers or contributors to South Point Church, or they were in 2019. 95, whether it's a family unit or an individual, okay? And so then we, or I averaged the amount given by each of those givers, average per month, and then counted, okay, how many people are giving at this level, how many are giving at this level, and so on, just to get an understanding of, of how we give and, and what we could expect in 2020. And... I would just want to say, you know, how much you give is between you and God. You know, it's not like we're going to put your name up here. Hey, you need to give more. But um, it's between you and God. But God looks at our hearts, and he knows what our means are. You know, he knows what we have. He looks at our hearts. He looks at our means. And it's between you and God what you give. Just like in, um, you know, he talks about the widow's might. Jesus does of how you know her two pennies were so valuable in his sight and he also says in 2nd Corinthians 8 you know he really does look at your means so when we did this analysis 
or I've put together this chart, and you can see at the various levels of giving. On the left is the average monthly giving, one to ten dollars, eleven to fifty, down all the way down through fifteen hundred plus per month. And you can see the number of givers at each of those levels. So you kind of see where you fall in there. Um, again, all this to just kind of help us plan for the future. And there were a couple interesting observations in this. One, there were a lot of givers, and a lot of people giving to South Point Church. And also, um, the number of givers is growing, which is a good thing. And uh, one real interesting thing that those bottom three levels, so there were 11 givers that accounted for over 50% of the budget of South Point Church. So 11 families or 11 individuals accounted for over 50% of the giving. So take, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, one of the things we also I noticed that of those 11, some of them had moved this past year or through various circumstances or a variety of circumstances. The, the amount of giving from those 11 is, has gone down or apparently will go down, okay? So take that for what it's worth, okay? Um, now that's, the other thing I said, there's an opportunity for all, us to, all of us to step up in our giving and the great thing is I don't have to be a sales, you know, try to get you to give more. That's just between you and God. I'm just giving you the facts. That's the great thing about this job. So, we, you know, I just also want to say that we're thankful for every single one, whether you're able to give financially or not, or whether you give $1 a year or, you know, $1 million a year, whatever it is. We're just, all of us are thankful for each other <laughs> in this. So, the for 2020... Um, we have really three things. The operating budget, which is in 2019, was the 238000 It's going to be real comparable in 2020 except for a couple areas, one being the paid staff. And you may know, but we have, in 2019, we had three paid staff members, Jamie, Josh, and Allison. Allison's over the kids' ministry, and she's back there almost every Sunday. Those are our three paid staff members, and we want to pay them well, and we feel like we need to give them raises, and more often, you know, get them at a level that they need to be. Um, so we all got to pull together in doing that. Uh, also, in 2020, we're adding a staff member. Um, she's basically been working full time for this whole year, and we keep asking her to do more and more things, and. You know, most of her work's still going to be on a volunteer basis, but we're adding Don O'Brien to the staff, and we really appreciate what she does very much. Um, so we have, we want to do more in that area. Let me just put it that way. And we are, we're, we're giving small pay raises effective January 1, but we want to do more. We had to kind of look at that and maybe stagger them through the year. The other thing is the ministries. Uh, we want to do other things in the areas of, you know, equipping and building you up as saints or us as saints of the church, things in the area of evangelism, seeking, seeking the lost, reaching out to the lost, sharing the gospel. 
and then the mission work locally and throughout the world, uh, we want to do certain things in those areas. So overall, um, or excuse me, and then we got the two other categories, the major equipment. Um, you know, we have approximately 20 HVAC units, air conditioning units in this campus, and most of them were put in in 1993. So we've got to get on a replacement program for those. We, got, we need a new soundboard. So we've got some of these, what we're calling major maintenance or equipment replacement items. And then the third is capital projects, which we'll talk more about that in the coming days. You know, we're really part of this vision. We want to upgrade and, and do some things around here to increase our effectiveness in ministry. And I know this is taking a lot longer than we planned. <laughs> okay, so all in, um, the operating budget's 257, plus if we could do about 25,000 on getting going with the replacements, um, and that compares to 238. So you can see that that's quite an increase. 19,000 in the operating budget, plus whatever we can do in the areas of major equipment replacement, we're estimating 25, so that's a $44,000 increase from 2019's budget. <clears throat> so there's the challenge. So if you have any questions, comments, maybe just words of encouragement, hey, this is great, you know, let us know. And, you know, I can just tell you personally what God has done in my life and in the area of finances when I began to do it his way. And I know others of you can testify to that, what God's faithfulness in those areas. So I'll close with this. God is at work in South Point. The people, you know, we're South Point. God is at work here. It's just amazing. He is able. Isn't this incredible? He is able to do far more abundantly, more than we can think more than we can even think of. So let's, in this exciting new year to come, let's let God's power, according to the power at work within us, let's let his power work in us. And then we can testify to what he does through this, and it's going to be more than we can even think of. And as Jamie said, it's all to his glory. And amen. Yeah, we we're talking about some big faith steps, all right? <laughs> some of those, like, those are some big numbers. If you would like to write a $44,000 check, I will be available after service and I will see you. But it's going to take a collective, everybody coming together. Sometimes, you, a while back I said this, man, I, I don't shy away from anything when it comes to teaching. Like, I have had some pretty awkward moments. I put sunglasses on, everything like that. For some reason, that always kind of feels weird for me. And I kind of basically confess that. But here's the reality. Like, we don't talk about money all the time. Like, I don't feel like we beat that. I don't, like, we, we don't have a jet out back. Um, we like air conditioning. We're just trying to keep that going. But when it comes to that, like, we will talk about that at times because it's an obedience thing. And here's the reality. If I'm supposed, to, if I'm called to be the teaching pastor at South Point Church and there's any area that I'm not willing to be obedient and teach about, you're in trouble, Right? That's a reality. And so if there is anything in Scripture that we see, that's why we typically will just walk through books. We're going to finish up Philippians, and then we're going to spend a long time looking at the greatest sermon ever. 
Heads up, I stole it from Jesus. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. That's what's coming in February. But the reason we do that is you can't get away from stuff. Like if there's any area where I go, I don't want to be obedient in teaching, you need to fire me. That's the reality. And so when we talk about this, we talk about that because these are big faith steps. These are big faith steps so that we can reach our community. These are big faith steps so we can reach our neighbors. These are big faith steps so that we can continue to be the church that God has called us to be. And so when we walk out of here today as individuals and as a church, every one of us has that next step. And so we're going to close right now. We're going to close a little differently. If you just bow for a moment. I typically pray during this time, but I'm going to ask you to pray. A moment of kind of corporate prayer where you're sitting between you and God. And just ask him to reveal that. What is my next step? Maybe it is salvation. Please come and talk to us. Maybe it's greater obedience. That's all of us. Maybe it's stepping out in faith in a hundred different areas. But just pray right now that God would clearly show you. Maybe it's going to take a couple days. Maybe you're going to have to spend some time in God's Word. Pray that you would be faithful in this time. That He would show you what your next step is. God, we love you. We're thankful for all that you're doing. God, there's so much to celebrate. We'll celebrate forever the fact that you love us. Forever and ever. God, thank you for all that you've done in individuals' lives, in the life of our church. And God, we look forward to what you're going to continue to do. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.